prayer. It's the most ancient tenet of our faith and the most common way to commune with God. Yet, we often find ourselves returning to the same questions about prayer. How do we pray? Why do we pray? And does it really change things? So maybe it's time to refresh our understanding and revitalize our practice of this holy occupation. It's time to talk about prayer. Well, good morning, Element. It is so great to be with you this morning and to worship. I am just really grateful, really grateful to be present in the presence of God today. So you can tell, since I'm getting out my whiteboard, we're starting a new series. Here we go. It's about to happen. So buckle in because we've got a brand new series. We're super excited to bring it to you today. So as you heard from the bumper, we are beginning a conversation about prayer. Prayer, which is, like we said, one of the most foundational things we do in our faith as Jesus followers. And it's something that it's going to be so good for us to return to, to think about, and to focus on for the next few weeks here at Element. Now, We've already decided there's no way we can possibly fit everything there is to say or think or know about prayer into one little five-week series. So we've already decided we're going to do a part two. But this time, we are going to come together as a community, and we're going to return to this ancient practice and think about how we can apply it to our lives today, how we can embrace it in new ways. And I think that we're all going to have a deeper understanding about what prayer is, and about why it matters in our lives. Now, to get us started today, we're going to think about our personal experience or our personal perspective on prayer. Now, maybe, just maybe, your personal perspective on prayer looks like one of these memes that we've got that are about to come up here on the screen. I don't know. Please bless me to have patience. Be careful what you pray for. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a good one. That's a good one. That look on your child's face when she asked, how do you know my eyes were open during the prayer? Mm -hmm. I've seen that look on my children's faces before. And my personal favorite, when you already start eating and someone says, let's pray. (laughs) I feel like that happens to my children a lot. And that is what they look like. I don't know. Maybe your experiences of prayer can relate to some of those memes. I don't know. I had, sorry about the sacrilegious moment, but I think the Lord likes a little humor now and again. But we're going to stop for a moment this morning, and we're going to think about our personal experiences with prayer. Now, if you read Benjamin's email this week, you've already heard these questions that we're about to think about. And I hope that you did, and I hope that you already thought about them. But if you didn't, we're going to take the time to do it now. So Benjamin sent an email this week, and he asked three questions about prayer. The first one is, how do I define prayer? How do I define it? The second one is, how am I feeling about prayer in my life right now? And the third one is, what am I most eager to learn about or change regarding prayer in my life? Now, these are very simple questions. But guys, they're really important questions. They're really important, okay? 
this series, you know, we could jump into it and we could learn about a lot of theoretical knowledge about prayer, a lot of biblical knowledge about prayer, a lot of, you know, spiritual knowledge about prayer, and that would all be great. But what my hope is for this series is that we will find some personal connection with prayer. That this won't just be about teaching strategies or Bible verses, but that it will be about the Spirit of God drawing us to engage more with him in this practice of prayer, okay? And these questions make it personal, right? These questions make it personal. So we're going to take just a minute. Now, kids, you have these questions written on your paper, so you are all ready to write the answers. Grown-ups, if you want to grab out your phone or a paper, maybe you could write down your answers for these things too, because this is where we're starting, okay? So think about these questions one more time. How do I define prayer? How am I feeling about prayer in my life right now? And what am I most eager to learn or change regarding prayer in my life? Let's think about those for just a minute. And I'm going to pray while we're thinking. God, I thank you for this moment, this chance to think about these questions to just jump right into this conversation about prayer and make it personal because it is personal. And God, I pray that as we think about these things today and over the next few weeks, that there would be no sense of shame or discouragement, that maybe our prayer life has been lacking or maybe we aren't living up to what you've asked us to do. God, I pray that that would just disappear because that's not what this is about. What this is about is relationship with you, intimacy with you, the power of your spirit in us. So I pray that any heaviness would be lifted as we engage these questions and that we would be drawn to your heart, that we would be drawn to engage this, to think about this, and to make changes in our lives. And I pray that you will show us the good and beautiful things that will come from it. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So we've had a few minutes to think about what prayer is. So, kids, I need at least one of you to give me an answer. What is prayer? What is it? Yes, James. Don't know. Who else knows? Yes, Brenna. An interaction with God, a conversation or communication. I love that answer. That is a great answer. I bet lots of you guys have great answers on your papers that you'll get to share in Kids Corner. I love that, an interaction with God. Here's a couple quotes from a couple scholars that I love about what prayer is. So check these out. Eugene Peterson says that prayer is the way we work our way out of the comfortable but cramped world of self and into the spacious world of God. I like that one. Let that one sit with you for a minute. And then there's this one by Tim Keller. Prayer is a continuing conversation that God has started through his word and his grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. Prayer is the way we know God and the way we finally treat God as God. Now, there's a lot to unpack in that one, so we'll just let that one sit for a little bit, too. 
And then here's the way that I'll put it for today as we get started with this conversation. Prayer is a holy, ancient, powerful way of communication with God. It is a foundational tenet of our faith in action and the primary way that we worship, transform, and love. Now we're going to unpack that definition over the next five weeks together. But there's a piece I want to talk about today, and I actually said it wrong when I just said it, because I said communication, but that's not what I meant. What I meant was communion. Communion. That's a different word than communication, right? Communication is, you know, sharing dialogue back and forth in some sort of a way, right? But communion, communion is an intimate exchange of thoughts or emotions. An intimate exchange of thoughts or emotions. Communion means fellowship, it means sharing, it means unity and intimacy, right? And that is what prayer is. It's our communion with God, okay? So we all have our own personal journeys with prayer, right? And I would love to hear all of your journeys, but I'll share mine since I'm the one with the microphone today. What, you know, I grew up in a family that prayed all the time. We prayed all the time. And at meals, that was the time when the kids of the family would pray. Now, we were one of those families who did do the recitation sort of prayers at meals, okay? So my prayer was, thank you for the world so sweet. Thank you for the food we eat. Thank you for the birds that sing. Thank you, God, for everything. That was my prayer. And I would pray it every time I was asked to pray. And I thought it was very sweet and wonderful. And my brother's prayer was, our hands we fold, our heads we bow. For food and drink, we thank thee now. Those were our prayers, and we would pray them every time we were asked to pray at the dinner table, and you know what? They seem a little trite, but they're also, they were also pretty sweet, and I kind of love that we did that, right? Not because those words were magical to the Lord, but because it was a practice of pausing and saying thank you. Pausing and saying thank you to God, and that is a good and holy practice. And then as I grew up a little bit more, I heard a lot of people praying around me all the time. And my dad and my grandma were the two people in my life where if they were praying, something holy was happening. Their prayers were not, our hands we fold, our heads we bow. Their prayers were beautiful, eloquent speeches to the Lord. And I was like, oh my goodness, how does someone learn to speak to God in such a beautiful way and fashion? And they were just holy and deep prayers whenever they would pray. And I had a deep admiration for that sort of relationship that they had with God, that they could speak to him so beautifully. Then I remember our prayer meetings at Circle A. Mike remembers those too. We had prayer meetings, and they would go for hours, people, hours, like four-hour prayer meetings in the night, praying for all the kids that were there at the camp, praying for the needs that we had learned from them over the week that we'd had them with us. And I just remember going through boxes of tissues in those prayer meetings because the Spirit was so present with us. And to be honest, so much of what happened in those prayer meetings was not about anything that we prayed to God, but it was about what His Spirit did in us as we were still with Him. And it was very beautiful. And then... I came to discover this idea of prayer as a way of life or as a prayer as a sense of being. And we'll talk about that more over this series over the next few weeks. But there were two books that really influenced my personal journey with that. And so I'll just share the books this morning and move on. But it was Henry Nouwen's The Way of the Heart. 
so good, you guys. And Ruth Haley Barton's Invitation to Solitude and Silence. So as you are on your prayer journeys, and as you might be intrigued by this idea of prayer as a way of life and a way of being, I would recommend reading contemplative authors that have embraced that sort of a lifestyle. But wherever you are on your journey, if you aren't really into praying too much, or if you have the our hands we fold and our heads we bow prayers, or if you have some deep, eloquent prayers, or if you just weep in silence with the Spirit of the Lord, whatever sort of place you are in your prayer life is good and beautiful and okay. And God honors it. And he loves that communion with you, whatever it is, okay? But we're going to take it a step or two or three more in this series over the next few weeks. So did you know that of all the spiritual practices of Jesus that we read about in the Bible, prayer is the one he does the most. The Bible is constantly, constantly saying that Jesus went off by himself to a quiet place to pray. We read it over and over. Every gospel author brings that point up, makes a point of it. Just as much as he heals people, he's off going by himself away to pray. So I think that's a pretty powerful example. If Jesus is engaging prayer in such a regular and evident manner, perhaps we will want to as well. All right, we're going to take a look at our memory verse for this series because this is going to kind of frame what we talk about today to get started, okay? And the memory verse is from Ephesians 6, 18 in the New Living Translation. It says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Well, that's some pretty big language, right? I think we should all read it together so that we can, like, take in the gravity of what this is telling us to do. So let's read it together. Here we go. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. All times, every occasion, all believers everywhere. Stay alert. Be present. This is very specific and clear language that's telling us to pray at all times. Wow. Okay. Well, we've probably heard this before, but I wonder how much we've really taken to heart this exhortation from Paul. Okay. So to get us started today in our prayer series, we're going to ask two questions. They're going to kind of be about this memory verse. So the first question is, what does it mean to pray at all times. What does that even mean? That is asking a lot, right? Pray at all times. What does that mean, to pray at all times? And then the second question we're going to ask is probably the biggest question that anyone who's spent much time praying asks, does prayer change things? Does prayer change things? These are the questions we shall explore today. So let's start with the first one. What does it mean to pray at all times? I remember the first time I heard my dad teach on this topic of praying at all times. And I was a young girl. And this was really the first time I'd maybe heard this verse or certainly thought about this concept of praying without ceasing. And it was a little bit over my head, but I was very intrigued by what he was saying. 
because my experiences with prayer had been the prayers at the dinner table or the eloquent prayers that my dad or grandma or other wise people would pray over the room, over the group, right? But praying at all times was kind of a new concept to me. And I remember my dad speaking about prayer as being similar to breathing. Prayer as being similar to breathing. That it was something that was always happening, whether we're conscious of it or not. It was something that we need to have always happening. That space of communion between us and God that exists at all times. And he talked about a connection to speak or to listen to the voice of the Spirit. That even when we weren't consciously engaging, speaking words to God, that that connection was alive and present in us. And that it was like breathing. And as I've grown in my understanding of this communion, this prayer as regular as our very breath, I think I've come to understand that praying at all times can look like four things. can look like four different things. So we're going to talk about them today. First thing is the posture of prayer. And the second thing is the discipline of prayer. The discipline of prayer. The third one is the warfare of prayer. And the fourth one is the presence. Now I'll explain what I mean by those in a minute. So first one, the posture of prayer. This is what my dad was talking about that day when he was talking about prayer that is as regular as our very breath. A posture that says to God, my heart is open to you. My heart is open to you. And I am here, present in this posture of prayer. My dad used to talk about a man by the name of George Mueller. You may have heard of him. He was, he ran orphanages in England back in the 1800s. This guy helped over 10,000 orphans in England by putting them through his orphanages and feeding them and clothing them and keeping them safe. And he did it his whole life. He never fundraised for any of these orphanages that he opened. All this man did was pray. All this man did was pray. And during his time funding and managing these orphanages, he was given over 90, nope, over 1.5 million pounds. 1.5 million pounds, which would equate to 90 million pounds today. That this man was given without doing any fundraising because probably because of many things, probably because people knew he was doing a good work. But if you were to ask him, he would say it was because of his prayer. He, it is said that there were grooves worn on the floor by his bed where his knees would be down on the floor in the late hours of the night and the early hours of the morning when he would pray for food to come to the orphanage because there was no food. And food trucks would arrive. And it was miracle after miracle in this guy's life. And this is what he said about his relationship with prayer. He said, I live in the spirit of prayer. I pray as I walk about, when I lie down and when I rise up, and the answers are always coming. I live in the spirit of prayer. 
That's this posture of prayer. The posture of prayer that says to God, my heart is open to you, right? The posture that's constantly participating in this holy conversation with God. Now, I don't equate my own prayer life to that of George Mueller or of my dad, and I cannot, maybe, I cannot say that I'm always conscious of the reality of this open communication with God. I cannot say that I'm 100% always in the posture of prayer, but that's where my heart desires to be, right? This is what Philippians says, and I think it's a beautiful description of this posture of prayer. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. There's something about this posture of prayer that brings us into a place of peace. Peace and trust and rest, right? So I'm growing towards this posture of prayer, and I invite you to grow with me, right? So the next piece, then, is the discipline of prayer. The discipline of prayer. Now, we know that prayer is a spiritual discipline, right? It's one thing to keep your heart in an open posture, just kind of like always ready to like say something to God or hear something from God, just be in that open posture, that open communication. But it's another thing to actually discipline yourself to focus and say something and listen to God, right? It's a discipline. Here's how Henry Nouwen puts it. The discipline of prayer is the intentional, concentrated, and regular effort to create space for God. Intentional, concentrated, and regular effort to create space for God. I love that. We must, we must choose this. We must do this work. We must embrace this discipline because if we don't, does not really, I mean, it does matter what our posture is, but this world is so crowded and so noisy and so loud that it will crowd out God if we do not intentionally create space. Now, we can do that in all sorts of ways, right? We do it here on Sunday mornings. We worship. That's part of prayer. We pray together. We have our silent times. And all of that is creating space for God, right? And maybe you do it at home. Maybe you do it before meals. Maybe you do it before bed. Maybe you do it when you wake up. Whatever your discipline is, I just encourage you to lean into it, maybe to examine it over the next few weeks and think about, is this discipline of prayer that I have, is this work that I do to create space for God, is it creating enough space? Or is there something I could do that would create more space for God? Now, I'll tell you what I do, and I have different disciplines that I do about prayer, but the one that I am very committed to is my morning examine prayer, which I know you've heard me talk about before. But I will pray my examine prayer on my walks every morning. I walk about a mile and a half or two miles, and I pray my examine prayer. And it starts with presence, being present to God, and acknowledging his presence. And then it goes to worship. And I speak and pray worship 
to God. I say the names of who he is. I say um, scripture or songs that come to my heart as part of worship. Then it moves to repentance. And whatever is coming up in me, in my life, that I feel the need to say to God, I messed this up. I'm asking your forgiveness. I'm asking you to change me about this thing. And then it moves to gratitude, right? Gratitude. There's always lots of things to be thankful for. And then it moves to noticing. And noticing is just, how am I today? Where am I today? What am I feeling today? What do I need today? What do I notice about my soul today? And then it moves to intention. What am I going to do with that noticing? What is my plan? What, what is, my, is my intention for this day? And I start my days with that series of prayer every day because I need to create that space for God. I need that presence, that holy connection. And when I start my days that way, I will tell you the posture of prayer is a lot easier to continue throughout the day. The prayer like breathing is a lot easier to continue when the discipline has happened that day, okay? So whatever sort of discipline you choose, and there are many out there, you can customize it however you like, I encourage you to stick with it, to choose the discipline of it, because that space means everything. All right, the next one is the warfare of prayer, the warfare. Now, this goes beyond a posture or a discipline. And we don't have time to say much about it today, but I couldn't skip past it because the reality is that we are at war, right? We are at war for our own hearts, for the hearts of our community, for the entire fabric of reality, really, right? We are a part of the battle. We are called to prayer. We are called to prayer because the scriptures say that it matters, okay? And so... We are called to pray on every occasion, to be alert and to pray for believers everywhere, right? To pray for the church, to pray for the mission of Jesus. So we're going to talk about that more later in this series as well. But the last one here is the presence of prayer. Now this could sound a little similar to the posture. When I'm talking about the posture, I'm talking more about the posture of our hearts towards God. When I'm talking about the presence of prayer, it's the reality that the spirit of the living God dwells within us. And so the spirit of God alive in us is always praying, always in communion with the Father, right? So even when we are not consciously in this posture, the presence of the Holy Spirit is in us and is in communion with God. So we are praying at all times. This is what Romans 8 says. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. The spirit of the living God is present before you and behind you and above you and below you and beside you and with you and within you. And that spirit 
is in communion with the Father at all times, at all times. And that spirit will pray for you in accordance with what God's heart is for you. That is the truth. So I'm going to tell you a little story of something that happened to me recently. And I felt like this was a good story to um, communicate what I'm talking about with this praying at all times and this posture of prayer, even when we're not necessarily on our knees saying our prayers, right? So we went to the mountains a few weeks ago for a vacation. It was absolutely glorious. We rented a cabin up there. It was our family and the Dory family, and we were just relaxing and doing hikes every day, and it was wonderful. And I had been saving this book that Benjamin had been telling me to read for a long time called The Gift of the Red Bird. Totally recommend. It's a great book. The Gift of the Red Bird. And baby, basically, this book is about uh, this woman who basically goes through a burnout and then a recovery period and then kind of gets into this contemplative prayer life and feels called to go into the wild, into the nature on a prayer vision quest sort of expedition for like three days. So she trains for this, this journey and then she goes on the journey. And while she's out there living in a tent all by herself, I mean, it's three days, but still it's a tent all by herself in the desert. Um, there's this red bird. And the red bird just kind of, it's just kind of there. When she wakes up, it's there. When she goes to the stream, she sees it out the stream. She goes later in the day to pray, and the red bird is there. And it kind of is just like, oh, this is, I'm aware of this red bird. And it, it's kind of signified the presence of God to her, right? That it was just kind of always there. Well, on the second night of her vision quest, <laughs> there's some storms coming in. And this was this, I mean, nothing could be worse for me as I'm putting myself in her shoes. Like there's tornadoes coming, people. You don't know how much I hate tornadoes, but it's at the top of my list of hated things. So she's trying to decide what to do. And the park ranger like radios her and like tells her there's a cabin she can go to because the tornadoes are coming. She goes to the cabin. She spends the night in the cabin, like gets in the shower with the mattress. Everything's fine. The tornadoes weren't that bad, but it was a bad storm. So in the morning, the first thing she thinks of is the red bird and what must have happened to it in the storm. And she wants to go back to her little place by the creek and find the red bird and see if it's okay. And she opens her door, and the red bird is right on the step. And it was like such a beautiful moment of just, she took it as God's presence with her, and it was beautiful. So there's a lot more I could say about the book, but back to my story. So I'm reading this book. And in the mountains, it's so beautiful, and I'm praying, because I've done like a quiet retreat by myself before, but not to the mountains by myself, which I've always wanted to do. I've never done it. So I'm reading this book, and I'm like, I know I should do this. This would be so great if I could like figure out how to do it, and maybe I just should. And I was thinking of all like the practicalities of making this sort of trip happen for myself. And the thought crossed my mind, maybe I could come back here. Maybe I could come to these mountains because these mountains are beautiful. I've been here before, so I'm not super freaked out to like come by myself and go hiking in the woods alone and all these things. So I had this idea of coming to these mountains. So later on in the day, we were out on hike with the families, and I was talking about coming back up there. We were talking about dates and just kind of like not really, I wasn't praying. I wasn't like saying, Lord, please give me a sign. I should come to these mountains for a retreat, okay? But we were talking about it. And 
we had said something about dates in September, and I said, so what you're telling me is I could come up here for a retreat in September. And literally, they just said those words out of my mouth. Brenna points to the tree. Randomly, she hadn't read this book, randomly points to the tree and was like, look, a red bird. And I look, and sure enough, there's a red bird right in the tree. And I like grab Brenna, and I'm like, it's from the book I just read. And she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. But it was just this amazing moment that to me kind of wraps up what I'm talking about with this praying at all times. I was not on my knees asking God for a sign, but I was in the posture of communion. And I was asking and seeking and listening, and there was an answer. There was an answer. And that is how God works. Not always with a red bird, but... He works in all sorts of beautiful ways. And I know that you all have stories like this too. And I would love to hear them one day. All right. So prayer at all times is this space of communion with God. But here's our second question for the day as we're wrapping up. Does prayer change things? Does prayer change things? Now, I really wish I had more time on this one but we are going to say a few things about it, okay? There is plenty of scriptural evidence that tells us that prayer changes things, right? We're going to read some today just so we can remind ourselves of this truth that we know. Starting in Mark 11. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. That's Jesus himself. Sounds like we have some pretty powerful, pretty powerful um, backing when we pray, right? In 1 John, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. And then in James 5, it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, I could go on. I limited myself to three scriptures, but there is a lot of scriptural evidence that tells us prayer matters. Prayer changes things. Our prayers are powerful and effective, particularly when our hearts are in alignment with God, right? And I can attest to that truth, right? There are people I know who have powerful prayers. Hannah is the number one person that I think of. If I have something going on that needs to be prayed for, don't give me that face. You know you do. This woman... She's a righteous woman, and her prayers are powerful and effective, and I think we all can attest to that because she's prayed for all of us. That's true. Yes. God moves, and God speaks with powerful prayers. He does. We've seen it plenty of times. I think one of the most intriguing things of, of looking at the life of Jesus and watching the way that he interacted with people is that, and I noticed this the first time I sat down and read all four Gospels back to back. I was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take a day. 
or read all the Gospels, all the stories of Jesus. Over and over and over, people ask him for mercy. Mercy. And he never turns away someone asking for mercy. Even when the disciples try and get him out of there, even when he's tired and planning to go away for his rest, when someone asks him for mercy, he answers. He, he heals them. He responds, right? So I could go on for a long time with all the scriptural evidence that prayer changes things. But I think we also have personal evidence in our lives. I think if we stop to think, we can remember the times when we have prayed and we have seen God move. We have seen miracles. We have seen restoration. We have seen healing. We've seen it in this community and we've seen it in our individual lives. And I hope that we will take the time to think about that and that we will take the, the time to be grateful for those movements of God, right? May we never forget to be grateful for the victories. However, however, prayer does not always change our circumstances, does it? Right? There's also scriptural evidence that God doesn't always answer prayers in the way that we want him to, right? I can think of Abraham praying that Sodom and Gomorrah would be spared. They were not spared. They were not spared. I can think of Paul praying that the thorn in his flesh, whatever it was that was keeping him from full ministry, would be removed. He prayed, and it was not removed. I can think of Jesus praying in the garden, asking that the cup of death and suffering would be taken from him, and it was not taken from him. He still had to die. He still had to go through a crucifixion, right? So if we're asking the question, does prayer change things? The answer is sometimes it changes our circumstances. Sometimes it doesn't change our circumstances, okay? And I don't think that those biblical circumstances or many others that we could think about, I don't think it was because Abraham or Paul or Jesus' hearts weren't in close enough alignment with God. I don't think it was because they were unrighteous, right? I'm sure it wasn't because Jesus was not righteous enough for his prayers to be effective. There were other reasons why those circumstances did not change, right? Sometimes our prayers may be powerful and effective. And sometimes our faith might be strong enough to move a mountain, and yet the mountain doesn't move, right? So what do we do with that? There's something that prayer always changes. There's something that prayer always changes. And C.S. Lewis says it best. He says, I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. Prayer doesn't change God. It changes me. Prayer doesn't change God. It changes me. Does prayer change things? Yes. It changes us. It changes us. And while it may bring miracles, and while it may change circumstances, the real reason we pray is for our own transformation, for our own alignment with God. So the band can come up. We're going to sing a song 
about that change, about that alignment, about that vision. But my prayer is that we will think less about the list of needs that we're taking to God and more about the worship of our holy creator. And that we'll think less about the outcome of our prayers and more about the love and the forgiveness and the grace that flows through us from Jesus as we pray. And may we think less about the visible results of our prayers and more about the internal transformation of our hearts as we align and commune with God. So today as we close, I would like to invite you all to stand. And we're going to pray a prayer together. We're going to pray a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. I think most of us know it, but let's all Read it together, and remember, when we're asking ourselves if prayer changes things, the thing it changes the most is us. So let's pray. Let's pray together. Our Father, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen.